Blog Talk Radio. Witches. I am your host, Raina Starr. I have a great hour coming up for you, but before we do that, Desperate House Witches is not a GPG or even an R-rated show, so if bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might offend you, this is not the show for you, but I think it is. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the one, the only, the incredibly wicked one herself, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your witching needs. She's amazing. Speaking of people who are amazing, my amazing guest almost needs no introduction. Gypsy Teague has been with us forever, almost as long as I've been around. Ha-ha. Writer, author, seamstress extraordinaire, creator of knives, writer of books, teacher of things, knowledge of the old ways, weaver, knife creator. I mean, what don't you do? It's amazing. Everybody welcome Gypsy Pig. Was that a rhetorical question or did you expect an answer on what what don't I do? Well, I was wondering if there's actually anything you don't do. Yeah, I have three things on my bucket list. Um, oh, okay. I want to see. I want forty warhawks. Um, I want to see a snow leopard in its natural habitat, and I want to see a komodo oh. dragon chase down and kill a goat on its own island. None of those are probably wow. ever going to happen, but that's my okay. bucket list. That's a pretty awesome bucket list. I, I, I'm with you on the Komodo dragon and the snow leopard, for sure. I am frightened of airplanes, however. I had a very bad experience well, with my mother. Unfortunately, I have, t- I have vertigo from time to time. So my, my days of doing anything other than big planes is, is pretty much gone. Um, I can't even ride wow. rides at Universal Studios anymore. But I couldn't do them anyway because I've got asthma, so I can't do the smoke and everything. Um, I also have asthma, so I'm never going to get to um, the Himalayas to see a snow leopard. Um, and I'm not taking the, a fast boat to China just to get over to Komodo Island. So I'm good. You know, I'm good. <laughs> But other than that, you've done or are doing everything else, which is quite impressive. I mean, you've written so many books, and you are so learned and so smart. It's like, you know, when when I found out that you had agreed to come on the show, I'm like, oh, shit. I can't keep up with her. (laughs) She's going to run rings around me. You were never you were never an issue. I was always going to come on your show. Now, I, I, I draw the line at anything before 8 o'clock in the morning or after 10 o'clock at night 
when I wrote Witch's Guide oh. to Blonde, shit, they were doing two o'clock in the morning interviews. It's like, really? Oh. You know, I was still working yeah. at the time, and I had to get up the next morning. I don't really care. I just sleep in. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 you know, but then again, you know, we're old friends and 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 have our yes. own experiences together. So, of course, I'm going to do your show. Well, I appreciate that. It, it really does mean the world to me, as, as you and Marla both mean the world to me. Um, so I'm very appreciative that you said yes. But, you know, I, I w- I'm reading this book. And by the way, for folks who, and I probably didn't even say it, the name of the book is Norse Divination, Illuminating Your Path with the Wisdom of the Gods. This is such a great book. I have to ask you, what was the impetus for writing this book? I had two, I had two reasons. Um, one, I had been playing with these ideas of, of these pieces, got 40 years. Um, mm. I, I did tell, you know, I did tell, I'm like you, I've done, you know, I think every witch has done tarot at one time or another. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, um, I did runes for a while, but, but nothing really resonated. Um, I even tried I Ching, but nothing really resonated yeah. until I started looking not at the runes, but at the gods and their possessions, because the runes, the runes are important. I mean, Odin, you know, hung, hung from the exil forum and, you know, and he gave him down to humanity after he created man and woman and all that. But the thing is they're runes, but my connection has always been to the actual gods and the actual pieces that they carried around, like, like Mjolnir and, and uh, Gallahorn and Gugnir and, and things like that. So mm-hmm. I started looking at these, like I said, 40 years ago and then put them away. About 20 years ago, I, I looked at them again and then put them away. About 10 years ago, I got real serious um, and, and started playing with them. Um, and then a, few, a couple of years ago, I thought, you know, this would really work. And with the cartoonism of Marvel um, really mm-hmm. perverting a lot of the sagas. And I, and I don't use the word pervert in a bad way, but, you know, what you see on Marvel movies is not, you know, our stories and our gods. Um, right. And everybody, to include Neil Gaiman and, and, and Holland and all the others, they write stories of the gods, but they haven't really covered every story in one book. So one half of writing this book was I want to do something on divination that works. This has always worked for me. But the other half was, and I teach Norse cosmology and, and, and all of that, I wanted to tell the whole story. I want to start in the beginning, right. go to the end, and then talk about the history and where it came from and what it was in the intro to every piece so that you could get an entire um, almost semester of, of Norseism um, or cos- cosmological study in one book. Mm-hmm. God, that, was, that was a Absolutely. long explanation for, because I no, just wanted but it, to. It was a, but anyway. Well, it's a, it's a great explanation because I love the fact that the book 
pretty much starts with, I'm going to tell you a story. And I love the way you tell the story. And I love the fact that you get to learn about each piece individually before you start putting them together. And that's very important. And I think that is something that doesn't ever get done. Um, I had a former spouse who, who read runes. And for me, it was like this crazy foreign language. And I would say, why is this, why does this piece mean this? And his answer would be, um, because it is. <laughs> That's not an explanation. But your book explains everything, and it makes it make sense. And you can follow the personalities um, of the gods and, and, you know, and see how it relates to the pieces, and it gives more depth when you do a divination poll, like I've been, as you, as you've noticed, I've been doing a practice poll um, in the mornings to see how the day is going to go. Um, and today went very well. <laughs> so I, I, I think, you know, it was, it could have gone either way. It was, as a matter of fact, at one point during the day, it looked like it could have steered in a very bad direction but it kind of righted itself at the last second, and, and I was like, okay, we're, we're just going to blow past this person's negativity and go forth and make shit happen. So, I mean, I'm enjoying it because as somebody who used to read tarot all the time, um, you know, sometimes when you've been doing the same thing over and over again, it gets very laborious and, and somewhat tedious. I guess not all of us are natural readers of of all of the same divination. Um, so this has been really fun for me, and I'm really enjoying it, and I'm feeling like I'm identifying pitfalls faster than what I would sometimes get with a card reading instead. So I really love this system, and, and, and I'm enjoying the book and learning more about it. Because it, it, it is a lot quicker. It seems, it seems like the answers come faster. It's interesting you mentioned that during your day, um, it could have gone either way because um, you pulled Gallahorn for the present. And we were talking about this uh-huh. before um, you went on, we went on live. And you were dead on the fence. I mean, you were right at the, the line. And yep. that makes sense now that when you pulled it, you had that that decision point to go one way or the other on the fence, um, and that's yes. and that's an interesting thing. Um, I've also found that if you read the book finish without reading to do t- to do divination, but you just read it as sort of like a, a yeah. philosophical treatise, that it mm-hmm. is a totally different book than if you stop and you try to, to read the different chapters. When I was proofing it, I realized that it's almost like some of those old, they weren't self-help, but they were the, they were the books that you read because somebody wrote them to be philosophical. The one, that, the one that comes to mind that makes absolutely no sense is Illusions by Richard Bach. Um, 
I hated Jonathan Livingston as Seagull. I'm sorry if any if if I offend, no, I don't care if I offend anybody about Jonathan Livingston as Seagull. But his second book, Illusions, was really that was a better book. And when I finished reading Norse Divination Proof, just from start to finish, I realized that that was sort of a self-help philosophical. Now, is that a reason to buy the book? Well, if that's what if that's what it takes you to buy the book, then yeah, good on you. Buy the book. Um, right. If you want to know everything about the gods and everything, yeah, buy the book for that. If you want divination, do it for that. If you want all three, just buy one copy. You don't have to buy three of them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the other but the other I, thing you know, when you go ahead, what I was going to say so is sorry. when you were when you were talking about storytelling, I took shit from some of the editors when they when they first started reading it because they said, "Oh, it's too folksy. You got to cut this. You got to cut that." And I don't I don't write any other way when I'm writing that. If you'd read. If you had, if you had a copy of Steampunk Magic, or if you had a copy of Witch's Guide to Wands, that's the way I write my 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 metaphysical books. And after it got the first read through, they finally realized, okay, this is the way it needed to be written. And everybody says, I like you. I like the way you tell stories. So I'm going to go with it. You know. Absolutely, and I think you know. <laughs> You can't. We all can't write in one voice. What would be the point of buying books by different people if we all wrote in one voice? That makes no sense. Oh, and I have so I, many I voices. Love, yeah, I, I, I know, and I love, and I love the fact that you have. You know, it's not just an explanation. It's not clinical, and sometimes clinical. A lot of people do not want to read something. You know professorial and clinical sometimes you want the comfort of a story I love stories it's not that I'm a stupid person I don't think I'm a stupid person but I I love the creation of of telling a tale true whether it's a true tale or not it almost doesn't matter sometimes um, but it, it makes you feel part of what is going on. Like you can feel yourself in the story, which for me is the reason why I want to read a story to begin with. I want to be whisked to another place. And you do that so beautifully. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised that you would have been called to folksy in this particular writing. I think understanding why a piece is what it is, this is part of the story. This is part of the explanation of why you read something uh, to mean this or something to, re to mean that. I mean, if they are relating to the gods, you need to understand why that is. And I think that's so beautifully done in this book. So I'm a little surprised. Actually, I'm uh, really surprised. I, I, think it was, I think it was a lot of the fact that I talk to the reader as though I'm in the same room with them, you know, and in, yes. and in one case, or I, in a few cases in the book, I'll say, see, I told you so, 
and you didn't listen yeah. to me. And, and, it, and, and that was the thing. It's like, well, you know, well, let's, let's just, but it's like, no, you really have to, you have to draw the reader in. And it, it all comes down to the reader. I mean, I can put anything I want, or anybody can put anything they want out. In divination, mm-hmm. you can get the same card spread or the same moon spread, the same piece spread, and everybody's going to interpret it different. So divination is so sure. personal that um, that you don't want something cut and dry. You want some. You want to feel invested by the author, and I feel that I I want to be invested in my readers, which is beautiful. And I love that about this book because <laughs> there were a couple of moments, and I'm like, she's sitting on your shoulder. Reading what you're reading. Um, <laughs> I wonder what Jesse would say about this. You know, when I did that poll this morning specifically, I was like, I wonder what she'd say about this because it was. De- I mean, <laughs> could it have been any more perfectly aligned in the middle where it could have been either way? And it was a split second decision this morning to not let it go south because that's exactly where it was starting to head. And I'm like, no, no, I actually felt empowered by the pull um, to, to not let it go because when it's that even, you can nudge either way and you can either fall into the negativity or you can, you can change it. And it, for me, it was very empowering. Something about tarot is very heavy, cut and dried in a heavy kind of way sometimes, which is probably why I stopped reading professionally. I honestly don't even read, read it that often anymore because I had clients that wouldn't wipe their asses unless I could tell them to go do it, which was ridiculous. So I just stopped doing it. Well, it gets annoying. It's like, you know what? I don't want your money. It's, it's ridiculous. You've got to be able to go live your life. But this is this was brilliant, you know. I did it fast. I saw what the the layout was, and I acted on it. And and it wound up being a really good thing to have that option because I've never read anything. First of all, reading it vert or invert, very different. And I'd never read anything that had been face down which is something that I was talking to with a tarot reader yesterday about reading things that are face down. It's not something that had ever occurred to me, but it's in the book to to read it reversed. And I was like, oh, I could do that. Cool. <laughs> so I'm really having fun with it. It's It's enjoyable. It's informative. And I think I would not have even been interested in it without your book. So I'm really grateful because you've given me this beautiful tool to use to, to create another uh, form and understand why the pieces are what they are. I'm still here. Still I'm, just, there, I'm just basking in my, okay. I'm basking in my glory. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> 
Well, that's good. I mean, that. but this is why I don't want people to be concerned when they hear the name of the book. I don't want them to think that they are excluded if they're not studying Norse mythology or Norse history specifically. I want folks to understand that this book is for anybody who is interested not only in good storytelling, but in, in just learning more about the Norse gods and, and the, the meanings of the pieces, or at least some meanings of certain pieces or some pieces that, you know, is beyond anything I'd ever had before. Um, the the Futhark was not something that I was ever interested in. It, it did not appeal to me. This book appeals to me. So it's a totally different approach, in my opinion, because of the storytelling, because you do explain who is who and what is what and the feel, you know, and some of the emotion that, that might be attributed to certain pieces, which I thought was fantastic, too. So I've got to ask, do, did you make your own set of pieces? Was that something you've done? Uh, is it something you did a long time ago? My my original set, I've only made two sets. Um, my original uh-huh. set was a dowel um, or a chair leg or something, I don't know, and it was about 20 years ago, and I used a magic marker. And um, uh-huh. I, I still, I actually still have them. Um, they're in a they're in a, a, a tupper somewhere, a little tupper thing. Um, and then after uh-huh. I did, after I got to do this book, they said, "Oh, we need a we need a really good set for the for the photo and everything." So I um, I got a piece of ash, and I turned it on my lathe, and I cut it as evenly as I could, um, and then I I marked them, and and that was it. But like I said in the book, you can make them out of poker chips. You know, you can cut them. You can cut them out of. You can cut them out of cardboard. Um, you can make them out of just about anything. They don't have to be round. I mean, mine are round because a lathe turns things that are round. If they, if a lathe turned things that was square, it wouldn't be called a lathe. It would be called a planer. But, um, but you know, I just I made them round because that was it. And I had a piece of ash and I used it and. You use a tree limb. Um, I've had people that have just gone out in the backyard and cut a piece of, you know, taken a, a, a tree fall and, and sliced it up uh-huh. into pieces. Um, so really, that's the nice thing about it, too. You don't have to buy a tarot deck. Um, you don't have to yeah. buy I Ching sticks. You don't have to buy, you know, any of that. You can make what you want because that's what our ancestors did, you know. I mean... When they threw the bones, they probably ate the chicken before they they got the bones. Um, When they made the runes, they carved their runes out of pieces of tree. And then they got fancy and they carved them on rocks or something. And, and I mean, now, God, you can spend hundreds of dollars on a rune set that are really, really pretty. They don't do any better than just using a a Sharpie on poker chips. Yeah. Yeah. And I I got, like, some really inexpensive wooden chips, like little round wooden chips. And because I'm 
my eyes are not so great anymore. You know, I, I made them a little bit bigger, so it was a little easier for me to read or, or see them. And, you know, and the other thing I wanted to ask you about um, as far as the pieces go, I noticed that, you know, you added some pieces that I had never seen before. Can you tell me about the evolution of adding that in? Well, what do you mean by pieces you've never seen before? I mean, they're not runes. I only use the runes right. to identify the items. Right. Well, I mean, the set that I made, I included these these pieces that were at the end of the book that oh, I yeah, did like not recognize. Oh, yeah, like Snorkel and Angaraboto and those. Um, oh, my God. I can't say the words. <laughs> I think... Angelabosa is probably one of the prettiest names in anything Norse. Um, it's just, and it, and I may not be pronouncing it right, who knows. Um, but, and, and I always think, and I think she always got a bum deal because, you know, she had three children. Yeah, they're going to, it's going to end the world. But, you know, it wasn't her fault. You know, she fell under the sway of Loki and she had three kids. Um, yeah. But anyway, I could have used them in the main book, but I did not, I have not used them enough. Um, Over the years, I've never used them enough. They've never really resonated with me, but it would be unfair not to, not to have included them. Um, In fact, for your, for your listeners, I'll grab, I'll grab that section. I'll give you the few that there, that there are. Because there aren't many. Um, no. I think there's, yeah, there's only six. Um, Angerabotha, um was one, the mother of, of Fenris, um, Jormungandr, and Hel. Adumla, um, the cosmic cow, um, because I, mm-hmm. I always use her in my Norse cosmology class. I teach Norse cosmology with Legos. Um, you know, Drautmir. You know, and and I got I got um, I've got um, Ken, Ken dolls for Bury and and Ymir and everything, and it's a fun class. Um, you know, Drautmir. Awesome. I gotta take it. Um, Honer, um, Schofen, and Snotra. They're just they're they're major characters, but I didn't. I didn't resonate enough with them to add them in the main, um, but I added them so, and, and you used one today, you used Snotra, um, so people yes. can, can glean their own use out of them. Um, and, and there were a couple of gods I didn't, I didn't include, like Ear, um, and things like that. So, you know, if people say, oh, you know, your book is not inclusive, well, no, it's not, but... You know, if you've got a god or a goddess or an item that you happen to to use and it resonates with you, do like you did. Just put it on a chip. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And because they the, they did, I did feel like I was on the right path with it. And you know, you mentioned Snocha and. I, you know, what I do for a living is service. Uh, so it yeah. was very apropos. Yeah. Um, 
And sometimes that kind of goes on its head in my world because people are not necessarily cooperative even when you're trying to help them. So there was, <laughs> there was a, there's a lot of this that really resonates for me that I had never even thought about before. So that's, that's part of why I'm like so excited about the book and that people go out and get it because it's, it's really cool. And you're going to find that if this resonates with you, reading, you know, whatever you pull, if you do wind up making your own pieces of things and, and trying to use it for divination, um, I mean, it just really fell in for me so fast. And, I mean, even tarot, which I love, didn't fall in for me that fast. You know, so I'm I'm really fascinated by it and very excited by it, obviously. So I hope other people are, get excited about it, too. It makes a great Yule well, gift. The book is, just saying. The book has been selling pretty well. It was supposed to come out in November, but then supply chain issues, you know, um, mm-hmm. like everything yeah. else, has been a pain in the ass. But they're saying it's going to ship yeah. on December 8th. Um, but I've got a friend of mine, he ordered it on... Um, on Kindles, all they had it. So yeah, yeah, I think great. I think Kindle is yeah, I think Kindle is downloading already. That's wonderful. It's a really great book. I mean, and you're you're a great writer. Now I've got to go back and buy other books you've written previously because this is the first thing of yours I've ever had, and I've really enjoyed it. So now it's like. You know, when you discover somebody and you really like their style and you want to get more of that. Like, I read everything by Stephen King at one point. Um, and, and it's kind of like you want to go back and find the entire backlog of everything you've done. <laughs> because yeah, I, well, I really appreciate Yeah, you'll be reading for a while then. Yeah. yeah you'll be reading for a while like then, yeah. 20 books? Twenty-five. Books? I think this is number. How many? This is either, this is either twenty-five or twenty-six. I'm not sure. Um, a lot of them were anthology. A lot of them were anthologies from um, culture, uh, from uh, academic conferences, and another bunch uh-huh. of them are um, counseling type books. Um, but my my fiction's fun. My early fiction was. Somebody described it as a cross between Stephen King and Tom Clancy with H.P. Lovecraft thrown in. Um, I always thought that was fun. Yeah. That's a great Um, endorsement, I have to say. That's a lot of stuff I love. So that's pretty cool. And Margot Adler, Adler, when she reviewed my vampire book, put it in her anthology of Vampires Are Us. And... uh, she compared me to, to to some famous author that I can't remember, but anyway. So yeah. That's great. So I know you've been to you've been to Iceland, right? Seem to remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is there anything do you ever have you ever like envisioned that you might want to live there? Um I would love to go to Iceland. Um, I'm a little bit Icelandic, I'm told. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
Unfortunately, I have very bad arthritis, and I get very cold easily. And I'm very old, and I don't make enough money. Now, none of those would keep me out of Iceland as much as it would be. It's very difficult to emigrate to Iceland from non-EU or EE countries. Mm-hmm. Um, they will let Americans emigrate. But they don't. But they'd rather not. Interesting. Um, I, let's face it. You know, most Americans are shit. And um, I know. And you know, and Iceland's a very small country with a very distinct population. Um, there's nine different ways to emigrate to Iceland. One is you have something that no one else in the world has, um, and that and that mm. would be my way into Iceland. Um, mm-hmm. because because of because of being an author and, and that sort of thing. I would get in that way. Or you marry someone and then you get a green card or um, mm-hmm. you're the child of someone and you go home or you go home or you go to Iceland and take care of somebody or you're a student and then you get a job there after you get out of college, things like that. Um, bring Iceland to Florida. I have an agro-educational Icelandic farm here. Um, You know, we live Iceland with palm trees. Um, I teach teach Icelandic things. We teach leather and and wood and fiber and metal. Um, We teach the old ways. You know, we do all the heathen things. Um, But I'm old, I'm broken, I'm dented, and... I've got a lot of things wrong with me that Iceland would not be um, conducive to. But being a tour guide and taking people to Iceland allows me to get to Iceland when I need to. Uh, And now that COVID is almost over, um, I figure another year and we should be out Mm -hmm. of lockdown. Because right now you've got to quarantine when you go to Iceland, Um, even if you've got your – even if you've been negative – you have to do a test when you get to Iceland, and then you have to quarantine mm-hmm. at your hotel for up to 24 hours. And no tour oh, uh, participant wants to be locked in a hotel for 24 hours with the chance that they may be sent home. So we are oh, not taking tours. Yeah. yeah, but we're not taking tours yet. However, my next book is going to be Supernatural Iceland. And... It will talk mm. about all the magical beings of Iceland, but it'll also be a tour book, um, and it'll be done similar to the old Banana Republic catalogs, with all the hand oh, sketches and all the maps and and all that. Um, there'll oh be gosh, that's so cool. Yeah, there'll be like two hundred and fifty, three hundred pages, but there'll be no photographs. They'll all be pen and ink drawings of photographs. Um, Every page will have a map on it, hand-drawn. There'll be handwritten notes to go along with the type. Um, And it'll be my Iceland. So we'll talk about the Hoover book. We'll talk about trolls. We'll talk about elves. We'll talk about um, Bifrost, which which people call the Aurora Borealis. But we'll also travel the entire country as I show my my guests, my clients, Iceland, when I take them for nine days on their tours. 
Wow. That's amazing. That is just amazing. I feel like I'm I'm halfway there already. And it's not something I'm telling you before this book, it's not something I had even a slight inkling of interest in. And you know, when you talk about the things that you love and the things that you're passionate about, I feel it like in my in my gut. I you know, that it is such a pure kind of appreciation and love of the history and the land. And, you know, I know you have um, the farm down in Florida, and I know you, you teach all of these amazing things, and I've seen you with your uh, your loom. I mean, I, I you just, you really carry forth the things that are so forgotten. And it's so, and I'm sure you're disappointed as I am that a lot of the old ways are really being forgotten. And and I'm just encouraged when I see folks be interested in the old ways, but I, I'm so scared that things like what you do are dying out. What are your thoughts about that? Um, you know, we were talking about this earlier. As long as we have the society of creative anachronism, nothing will die out. Um, For those of you that don't know, the SPA is the um, largest and oldest medieval recreation group worldwide. Um, We're 55 years old. Um, If if it was done in the Middle Ages, we do it now. Um, I mean, everything we do. In fact, we just came back from an event this weekend, and... um, some of the larger wars, you can forget that you're even in the 21st century. So, yeah. and there are other groups. There are other groups that do this. There are, um, there are historical groups. There are museum groups. So the old ways will not completely die out, but I think a lot of people have gotten too dependent on digital and electronics. Um, when COVID came and people said, oh, you got to make sure that you social distance. I, my comment was that my social distancing was a thousand feet and a thousand years because <laughs> we have three, acres, we have three acres inside the compound. Um, and I use the word compound, not in the, in the prepper sense, but in the, in the classic um, Scandinavian sense. Um, and then sure. we're, a few thousand feet from anybody. Um, and I only go to town, which is like right around the corner. Um, very seldom because I, I just sure. don't want to leave the farm. So, um, so social distancing is like that. But if I chose, I could spend my, I could spend the rest of my life in, 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 um, an, an apron and an apron dress and an under, an underdress and turn, um, you know, turnbuckle shoes and a couple of turtle brooches and inside the farm, you we'd be in Iceland, you know, albeit, yeah. you know, 8th century, ninth century. Um, so I try to do what I can to teach. I can't make knives anymore by blacksmithing because I've had too many surgeries, but I'm still teaching and I got a kid coming out Saturday and he's going to spend his entire afternoon beating a railroad spike until his arm falls off getting used to moving metal. Um, 
and you know, eventually, <laughs> if he sticks with it, he'll he'll make a knife or two or three. Um, you know, I teach I teach people how to make Viking shields, and you know, we we weave and and things like that. Um, and I write, so I'm trying to keep yeah. it always. Um, so I, I don't. I think. I think we're too dependent on a lot of things that are possibly very transient. Um, I tell my sure. wife that that I keep hoping for an EMP pulse from the sun um, that would wipe out everything digital and everything electronic, um, you know, and 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 throw us back to the Middle Ages. Um, I think with what we know now, if we had to live in the Middle Ages, it would be different and it wouldn't be as dark and bleak. But I think it would be a lot more simple um, and a lot, I don't know, now I'm I'm waxing nostalgically, but um, possibly more fun in some areas and less fun in others. You know, I like my electric lights and I like my electric heat. Um, but I really don't like computers or cell phones or, or, or IMs or news 24 seven or, you know, but the weather, but the weather channel is nice. The weather channel is definitely nice, but I totally understand what you're saying because I wasn't raised with any of the things that are commonplace now either. You know, yeah. I mean, I do remember, you know, I remember getting booted out of the house when the sun came up and told not to come back until just before the sun went down. And we were healthier and we had fun. And it was, I mean, it's not that it wasn't dangerous then, it was. But it wasn't as all-encompassing. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't this culture of, you have to hover over your kids. You know, some kids got some lumps and some of us survived. I mean, things happened. But there yeah. were, you know, people were more polite with each other. You know, people couldn't hide behind a keyboard and just say whatever the fuck came to mind, whether it was warranted or not. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. Listen, oh, yeah. there's a lot to there's a lot to be said for not having instant access to every fucking thing in creation at your fingertips, in my opinion. You know, maybe I'm old school. There's nothing wrong with how I was raised except for certain instances of personality things. But as far as, you know, not having access to a phone all the time or not having access to, you know, when we actually had to go to a library and read, I remember those days. Those were not bad days, Gypsy. No, but and and I tell people, you know, because I was a librarian until I retired. Um, net search is not research, but you can do research on the computer. Um, I was I was doing research the other night on the grave digs of Haithabu, um in Hedeby, and um, and I was looking for a specific grave. Well. If you mm-hmm. stay off, if you stay off of Wikipedia and the regular Google, and you get into Google Scholar mm-hmm. and some of the other stuff, you can find what you're looking for, and it's it's academic and it's peer review and it's scholarly. Um, the problem is nowadays kids don't know the difference. 
Um, but you know, Absolutely. I don't teach school. I don't teach school anymore, so I'm probably as much to blame as anybody for not being responsible for teaching them. But um, I'm old, and I don't think I want to be young again. People say, "Oh my God, I wish I was 30 again." I, you know, I don't think I want to be 30 but again because no. that means I'd have another. I'd have another 50 years to put up with this shit. I, you know, I agree with you. <laughs> and quite frankly, you know, you mentioned the fact that you're not a teacher anymore, but you actually are. I mean, it's it's a different type of teaching perhaps, but you can't yeah. do everything yeah. all the fucking time. We all get a little older, or in my case, a lot older at this point. And, you know, listen, there's, there's some things that may die with us, and there's some things we're hoping to leave behind. And hopefully the next generation finds use out of it and, and, you know, pushes that forward. Because to lose, you know, I mean, yes, the SCA is a great organization. I've been a member of myself since I was a teenager. Absolutely. And, you know, as a matter of fact, there was, before I was in the SEA, I was in a group called MSR, Medieval Studies and Recreation. And, you know, that set me up for, for entry into the SEA, which at the time, to me, was like a whole new world because MSR was like not even 100 people. And then I'm walking into a situation where there's 300 people and I'm like, oh, wow, we're all doing this together, huh? That's pretty great. So I have a great appreciation for, you know, and I don't have the skills because, you know, my problem was laziness and not learning as much as I could have uh, at the time from people who were knowledgeable. And a lot of those people, unfortunately, have passed, and that knowledge went with them. But, yes, the SEA is a fantastic resource if you're interested in, in, you know, weaving and sewing and, and cooking. There's, you know, it was always a great font of or a great bastion of information on how things were done before everything got so fucking easy. Because unfortunately, as things get easy, they also get harder. Have you noticed how yeah. hard it is for people to actually have relationships now? Just friendships. It's amazing. Yeah, and 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 they're and they're so transient because how many people have besties that they've never met because of online that you don't even you don't yeah. it's like oh yeah so and so really when was the last time you saw them well I've never seen them I don't know who they are but but we know everything there is to know about each other um, so but then again. You know the world, the world progresses, and and it all comes down to. In my case, it all comes down to leaving a legacy. Um, that's what's yeah. always, always driven me. Is I want to leave a legacy, um, and I've I've worked very hard at that. So. And I think you're doing an amazing job at it. You know, I have we'll a couple see. of. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting because I, you know, I have a couple of your knives and uh, I'm I love them dearly, and they are in a very safe place on my five tier altar because I'm a Libra and I collect everything. 
Um, and, you know, well, it's true. And, you know, the, the, there's one coming from you that I am giving to one of my children, and I explained, you know, where this came from, who this came from, why this person is important to me, why this person is important to most of the people that know, you know what I mean? And I don't say that to blow smoke up your skirt. I say that because you are like, a, and I've said this about you before, that you are a walking museum with all of the beautiful information and knowledge and skills and cobwebs and crafting. I got, I got the, the cobwebs, I got the mice, I got the cockroaches. Yep, I'm, I'm an old building. <laughs> You're a beautiful old building. Stop that. Yeah. <laughs> you are. And, and I appreciate that you share your knowledge. You know, it's so important when you have a gift like that to to send it forward because I honestly see a lot of folks who do not have something to pass on. They have not yet gotten to a place in their lives where they have a knowledge to share, an old way to share, which, you know, which is such a sad thing for me that when, you know, I find somebody like you and I'm sorry, there are not a lot of people like you at all. As far as your knowledge base, you have such a big knowledge base. It's amazing. You know, all of the things you are able to do, all of the things you are able to teach, all of even with arthritis, all the things you continue to do on a daily basis. I mean, I've seen photos of all of the work you've put into your land. It is amazing to watch. It's amazing to see where it was and where it is now. And I know you have more plans because you are constantly evolving and changing it up. Yeah, I'm still waiting for sheep, but that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> we're uh, we're doing a one-year study right now on um, whether or not the ground is dry enough a predominant amount of days because I own a swamp and I own a stream, mm-hmm. and twice a year the back field gets 12 inches of water in it. And it wow. goes away eventually. But, oh, yeah, um, I'm I'm going to get a kayak this winter so I can go kayaking with the dog uh, in my backyard. It's only a few weeks at a time I can barn the sheep mm-hmm. so that their, their hooves don't get wet. And so right. this time next year we'll know whether or not um, we're going to get sheep in 2023. Um, wow. So I only, I only want a couple. I only want enough to shear and, 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 um, and, and um, spin. spin and weed. There's a, a, a <sighs> farm up in Georgia that does Icelandics, pure, pure blood Icelandics. So we'll get a couple of yeah. Icelandic ewes and, um, and spin it because I, I do teach weaving. We're, I'm building a, mm-hmm. a mini hall next year for my warp looms and all my looms so that I'll be able to teach weaving in, in its own building. 
That's magnificent. I've only known one other person in my entire life who could spin and who also had a loom. And I would just sit and watch her for hours because it was just so mesmerizing and fascinating to me. And, I, you know, she kept saying, one day I'm going to teach you, and then unfortunately she passed. So, yeah, I never got to learn, but it's it's such a beautiful art form. It's such an elegant – I know that sounds like a funny word to use for spinning, but it is such an elegant, beautiful thing, I think, to be able to do and to watch how you take something from nature and you create – this beautiful threading and you you weave things with it and you create other things with it it's just i find it so fascinating and so mesmerizing and hypnotic you know isn't isn't yeah. like weaving and spinning like a real meditation when you do it it can be or it can be the ninth layer of helheim it depends on how well okay, it's going <laughs> I, what's, funny, what's, what's funny is even nowadays the young boys in Iceland are taught how to spin um, on a drop spindle because many um, many women uh, who have who have daughters to to marry off want to make sure that the um, husband knows how to spin. Um, that started a thousand years ago, but even now um, kids are taught. The boys are taught how to spin so they can get a wife. Neat. That's great. Yeah. That's something that should be carried yeah. on. That's 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 a beautiful thing. Oh my gosh, and I've talked your ear off for almost the entire hour. I apologize. Well, that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> but tell tell people where they can find out more and, and maybe even take a class with you. Um, the easiest thing to do is um, follow the link that I'm sure you're going to provide. But um, uh-huh. or yeah, or um, the, my contact information is in all of my books. Um, or yep. you can just um, you can just email me at gypsyteague@gmail.com, um, and if it doesn't look like spam, I'll read it. So if you put in the header, this is not spam, then I'll read it. Um, and if you want a copy of the book, Amazon. Um, they're pre-selling. Um, they'll sh- they'll ship yep. immediately when the book comes out. And um, then if you want to come and find me someday, I'll sign it. And if not, that's fine. You know, Marla said, we should have book plates. And I said, nah, because then anybody can can just get a book plate and stick it on whether I signed it or not. Um, and all, yeah, I think yeah, all my books. Yeah, I know. I think most of my books are still in print. Um, mm-hmm. One of my publishers years ago went out of went out of business, so I recompiled my first five novels into an annotated. 900 and something page book that's on that's that's on Amazon but everything's everything's on Amazon um if you want vampire fiction fangs are um fangs and claws 
and then that the sequel to that is Fangs and Claws, The Search for Christ. If you want steampunk, then Victoria X. If you want Vampire mm-hmm. French Diesel Punk, which is a sequel to Victoria X and Nosferatu and the Dead Wolves. Um, I've got Metaphysical. I've got Elemental. I've got a plague that wipes out most of the, you know, the planet. I, Marla says I've got to stop writing books because literally every time I write a novel and publish it, it happens. You know, I've done floods. Yeah, I've scared. done natural disasters. And, and she, says, she says, write something happy, but I just can't write happy. Um, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will tell you that, yes, that scares the shit out of me. I appreciate it. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> but this book is amazing. Again, the book is Norse Divination, Illuminating Your Path with the Wisdom of the Gods. And my guest has been the amazing Gypsy Teague. Gypsy, thank you so much for coming on and spending thank this you, hour dear. with me. And hopefully I can convince you to come back on for your next book, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to go out and put the chickens up right now. Oh, okay. You're a love. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you, darling. Yeah, bye-bye. All righty. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody. I just love her, uh, and her wife is amazing. Um, okay, everybody, so tomorrow I will have Brandy Williams, and she's going to come on and talk about cord magic. Looking forward to it. Have a wonderful night. Bye-bye.